Welcome everyone to another edition of Drunk, a special, I guess another special edition of, of Drunk Agile. Um, with us as always, as we were saying before, just completely out of her skin with excitement, Nisha in, in the background there. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, yes, he has, he comes with a program. So, you know, with us too, with Nisha is Pratik Singh and our special guest, um, and it's, I, I can't believe it's taken us so long to get I know. Julia on. I know, here. what's that all about? That's, I know, yeah. we'll just have to apologize for that. But, uh, but Julia Wester, everybody, uh, someone who's been, uh, you know, in the Kanban community pretty much from, from the beginning um, has kind of, you know, taken Kanban to, to, to new highs, taken metrics to new highs. <laughs> so really looking forward to, to hearing what you have to say and, uh, and school us on tonight, Julia. So well, welcome, Julia Wester. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, it's awesome to be here. And I probably have learned uh, almost everything I know from people like you and a lot of it from actual you, both of you. So. Not, yeah, not, not, not from pink. Not from pink. Um, a lot from pink. Pink deserves some credit. Uh, so Julie, you're, you're our guest. Tell us what you're drinking. I am not a whiskey person. I have tried and tried and tried to like whiskey and have failed. So I brought gin. But I did bring Scottish gin, so that I'm not too far off the mark. So this is Edinburgh Gin Distillery Rhubarb and Ginger Liqueur Gin. So I, you know, got my, my gin and tonic here. That's yeah. what I'm G drinking. Julia's way ahead of us. Gin is just really, it's just clear whiskey. That's really all it is. There you go. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Pratik, your turn. Um, haven't done this one in a, in a bit. The oh. Abelard Abuna Gastrin. 61.5 percent so I have a couple of this those. is gonna get good so i don't know julie if, if you've heard us critique and i talk uh, there's what is it about 57 58 something about there yeah once you get over a certain threshold if you're below that threshold you drink all night if you're above that threshold you have like one and forget about it um i'm going back to the the akintashin the one that i got straight from the cask at the distillery um it's only 11 or 12 year old 58 percent bourbon cask so uh it's good stuff so cheers, everybody. Welcome, cheers. Julia. Thank you for being with us. Cheers. And skull, as they say in Sweden. <laughs> skull. And my uh, gin matches Pratik's shirt. Pink. There you go. Um, so Julia reached out, she, and she, she had a, a great idea for a talk, and we figured, why the heck not? Uh, Julia, would you maybe if you could start off by framing the conversation for us? Give us give us a kind of a, a high level of of what you're thinking, and then and then we can dive deep in for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I'd love to because I have these thoughts that are sort of just forming, and it's actually about defining your workflow. Which you might think, oh my God, we've talked about that to death. Everyone knows how to do that, but I don't think that's the case because as I'm helping people with flow metrics every day, and we talk to customers of Actionable Agile, which is my day job, um, uh, talking to them about measuring their flow metrics, everything comes down to how you visualized your process. Like you can't, you know, what, what your flow metrics become is all based on the definition that you've made of your process. Everything's pinned on that. So I find a lot of anti-patterns and dysfunctions that become visible when you look at how people have defined their process and how work moves through it. And it's not really congruent with getting good measures of flow because it's not about a process that flows. It's, out, it's about things like 
optimizing for functions and things. So when an item needs to be worked on by a developer, it goes to this column because that's the column developers work in. Or if it has anything about testing, it's got to go to this column where the testers look at. So instead of having a board that's that the team works on work all the way through a, a workflow that's focused on the life cycle of the work, we have a board that's focused on optimization of resources and people. And um, then that people are confused when they have problems measuring their flow. So I wanted to talk about that because I reflected on how I've been teaching people how to measure or how to define their workflows rather. And I've always come from it like, um, you know, think of yourself as the piece of work, right? I'm the piece of work and I get started. What's the first thing that happens to me, right? And then what's the next thing that happens to me? And you're walking through the life. And in a way we are thinking about the work, but then it becomes very focused on specific activities. And then over time, that granularity leads you right to that dysfunction of being focused on the function that's happening in that activity. And so I wanna to talk to you about how to, how to evolve this a bit more and how to get us thinking more about the work as a, you know stages of a life cycle, like a person has a life cycle and has defined stages and lots of things can happen in each one. And so how can we get away from focusing on individual activities and workflow stages or step columns on your board and move towards something that's about this is what's supposed to happen in this part of the work's life cycle. And yeah, so there's a lot of stuff in there. So we can see whichever way that goes. Um, but I just know that this is a thing that a lot of people are struggling with. And if we could get this right, a lot of other things would suddenly become easier. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think you've got like four or five episodes worth of worth this. this yeah. Is, <laughs> so let's which, see what we talk about today. Which, which, which is great. But I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I totally agree. It's, it, it's the thing that I think I struggle with the most when I'm introducing Kanban concepts is, is getting people to, to visualize their workflow. Um, because it's one of those things, it's like when you get it, you get it. But when you don't really, I mean, that, I think that's why people run to the, the certainty of, of steps and activities because that's, that's tangible and we understand that. But that's not really is what you're saying. That's not really what flow is about. So I don't know, Pratik, what, 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 yeah. what, what do you think? I've, I've always come at this from the value stream mapping kind of approach, which I think Julia is exactly what you're describing of, hey, what are the things? Well, how do we, how does this thing become more and more valuable as it moves through? Um, and I don't know if we want to jump to solutions already, but essentially, I think we've talked about this at least once before. Um, the problem that people get stuck with is if, it's, if this activity is described in the fifth column and the item is still in the second column, we definitely cannot do it yet. <laughs> and and that, that is, I think, where after you've defined your workflow, people really got, start getting stuck with, this is in the dev column, so only the dev stuff happens here. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think too that we need, if we were to ask people, um, where are the cards on the board when you as an analyst or you as a testing professional or you as a, you know, whatever your role is, where are the cards when you work on them? And I wanna to get to the point where all over that is the answer, right? Not just in this column because that has my function name in it and not just in the other column. Um, <clears throat> because if I think about, for instance, 
the, the reason I started thinking about this is because I was having lots of conversations about backwards flow and that led me to the realization that people were making this assumption that, oh, well, it needs development again. So therefore it must go back to the development mm -hmm. column. And so we would talk about, well, let's think about this. You thought that it was ready for validation. Did you think everything was always gonna be perfect if you were ready for validation? So were you expecting to find something? If so, then it's still in the right place, right? So we need to see how long things take to get through that validation, no matter what else you need to do to fix it once it's entered there. You know, it, it's like, if I, I, I've been sort of thinking about this human life cycle uh, metaphor for this, the end gets very morbid. You know, if I move into adulthood and I realize there was a lesson I really should have learned as a child, but I didn't, I don't get to go back to childhood to learn that lesson, right? I'm, I'm here, I'm an adult. I just have to learn it now and, you know, keep, you know, track of that, try other people can learn that in the future. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's things like that. So I'm, I was thinking about, I've been talking to a lot of customers about, we should move to something at almost like a level up in granularity. What's the thing that happens to this? What, what are the activities or, or things that happen to work when it's first uh, created, right? Um, and, or when you first start it. So maybe let's use a software development metaphor, although we should work hard at finding other metaphors, right? But um, so there might be some, um, some requirements fleshed out a little bit more. There might be some test cases written. There might be some pseudocode written. You know, all of these things from all different disciplines in your team could be happening in something maybe that we call this you know, analysis or discovery phase are the very first thing that happens in its life cycle. And when we feel like we know enough to invest more time and we're confident in that, then it might move to the next phase of its life cycle. So like your, your adolescence, right? Or you're um, doing, making the thing. And then that pseudocode might turn into real code and those test plans get written and, you know, get made into test scripts. And maybe there's no more analysis to do here. So, you know, and then, we take those test scripts and once the code is written and we run the test, we integrate it, we test to see does it work with everything else that we've done. And, you know, it's, it's thinking about the life cycle of the work and then whichever function needs to happen in those stages, you know, they participate in all of those stages. And when we do that and we think about that whole concept of, well, I, you know, just because something was broken doesn't mean I have to move it backwards all the time. So if you put those two things together, I feel like that's a little bit more of an evolved way to think about workflow. And when I think more about it, it's all about taking it one level of granularity up. I'm thinking, and I'm not sure, but I'm thinking that a lot of problems are caused by being too specific about what's happening in the stages of your workflow. Um, go, go ahead, ask Pratik about a code review column. Go ahead, ask him. Go ahead. <laughs> I dare critique. You. I, I have not actually <laughs> listened to you um, give your give your talk on why you love code review columns. <laughs> so. Yeah, code review column and I, and me we have we have we have a love hate relationship, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get. There. <laughs> I think. Well, we are drinking, so it's time. <laughs> I I think no, but I think I think the the, the life cycle 
um, analogy is, is brilliant, especially I, I, li I liked what you said, you know, if, if I'm an adult and there was a, a lesson I should have learned as a child, because I'm still learning stuff that I should have learned when I was five. And yeah. I, my mother told me this my, my whole life. You should have learned this 20 years ago. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great if we could go back to being five years old? Maybe it would, or maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. Um, but that's, uh, I mean, so I mean, what, 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 what we're, what, I think what we're drifting toward or moving toward is, you know, cer certain smells about, you know, your board design that we talked about before, but maybe because people didn't have the context, maybe they don't understand. And one of the things I think you're, you're, you're highlighting, you know, very much, you know, in this episode, Julia, is, you know, if you have a column on your board that sounds like a role, yeah. you're, you're probably missing something there. You're, you're, you're probably, you know, or, or even, even if it sounds like a specific activity that the code review, mm -hmm. you're probably missing something there. You know, there's probably yeah. a better way to do it. I don't know, Pratik, you sound yeah. like you were going to jump in. Well, I was, I was going to, I was going to bring up an example of a team that Dan and I worked with. It's like they, they changed after the training, they changed all their column names to be all Harry Potter based. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> secrets revealed and magic happens here. And I love that. that uh, I'll, yeah, owl examinations. Yeah, it was, it's, it's owl cool. examinations. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much better than the like the human life cycle that ends in like I don't know if I should call it death or celebration of life. Well, I guess it depends on your religious beliefs too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's something yeah. after death. Who knows? Right. You know. I was like, this holds up so well until you get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> then you definitely know you have to go back. <laughs> I don't know, rebirth. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, the, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna say, there, there was one thing that, that you mentioned really early that sparked something else in my head, which was, Julia, what you mentioned was, um, I, as when something, when I, as say, someone who works mostly in quality assurance uh, and working on something doesn't mean it needs to be here. It, I, I move to an earlier column or a later column, whatever that is. Yeah. Then, uh, I don't think we'll be able to do this, but if you could do a heat map of where, what was assigned, which column were you in most of the time, you should really see something that's more red and deep yellow in, in your main column, but then stretching out to be lighter yellow and green colors in the in in the other areas. Has, has, has someone said this before? Because it sounds familiar to me. But you, so you, all of you, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that kind of what you said there, Pratik, is that I should move to where the work is. The work mm -hmm. shouldn't move to where I am. Yes, absolutely. Has, has somebody, has somebody yes, said I think that so. Before? I've heard this before. I've heard that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> should all move, keep saying move, that yeah move people to the work not work to the people yeah power to the it's people is good work to the people is something like that yeah yeah i i had um well I, i've worked in a lot of enterprises and there's always this thing about people being upset that they weren't involved early enough in the work and then something came up and then you have to rain all over everyone's parade at the very end and stuff like that. When you're talking about QA or security or anything like that. And I'm not saying QA as in a person that always has to test everything before it goes out because Lord knows we'd never, we wouldn't even have enough QA people to do that even if that's what we wanted to do, which is what we don't. It's more like 
teaching people the discipline of how to test and, and whatnot. Um, so one of the things that we started doing was in the first column, we would have QA people working with the developers and analysts to make sure we understood how we were going to test it. And you know, if you're doing test-driven development, obviously that's a, a thing to think about, you know, writing all your testing stuff up front um, so that before, you know, when, when things get to test, it's nothing's a surprise. Um, and then so that happened. So lots of disciplines were involved up front, maybe even the security people up front before we really got into doing it, because it's better to find out a problem before we get too far in. If we need to call it, we can call it early. Um, then we do it. And then so we had a little pod in my team who they pair two developers paired in the morning, every morning. And then every afternoon, they did a little trio, or I guess a mob with them plus a QA analyst. So every day code was being validated. And then when it was time to demo it, the tester demoed the code to make sure that, and to show that, yes, it really was validated and integrated in all of these things. So we were never showing it on anyone's local dev environment. So it was really integration all the way through the workflow. And so if I were to visualize all of that, it would be going through all these columns and everyone would be working in every column of the board. And the way, the reason why we would decide whether or not to have different columns instead of just one column or whatever would be so that we understood how long it takes to do each part of that workflow. Um, and Dan and I were chatting a bit before this about if we take this level of granularity up and we, we talk about these buckets of activities of parts of the life cycle, sometimes there are still activity specific things that need to be broken out into their own column. And so it, it can't be like an all or nothing. It can only be this way, it can only be that way. So for the most part, we need to abstract up a little bit and so that we're not focused on the people. But then if there are things like handoffs or specific super egregious activities that really need to be tracked uh, to get more data about, then we break those out for as long as we need to break them out and then they could come back into the fold or you know something like that. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have always believed that teams, as they get better and better with, with process management, they all tend towards the to-do, doing, done workflow. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's a later stage. As you said, there are might be handoffs that we want to evaluate first before we say, let's just get rid of this and kind of let the team learn how to get rid of it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, the, the, the thing that I'd like to emphasize, because um, I, don't, I don't know that maybe we've done a good enough job. I know, Julie, you've mentioned it a few times. Um, the, the reason we're talking about this is not because it's some, you know, esoteric, uh, yeah. You know, just kind of random thing because we're process geeks. We like to talk about what is the best visualization. Uh, the, the goal that we're after here is is improvement, right? We we want to understand our system. We want to understand our process so that we can get better. And I think Julia, what you're hitting on is too many times we you know we we gravitate toward a you know a visualization that actually hinders you know um, our ability to see what's really going on. We put in policies in place that hinder our ability, uh, you know, to, to really see what's going on. So um, 
if you know if if this conversation <laughs> seems a bit you know ethereal, uh, there there is good reason for this, and hopefully when you get you know get good at, at your film practices, hopefully most of you are, you'll understand why these types of conversations I think are are extremely important. Is because you need to know where and how to improve, um, or at least ask the right questions about where and how to improve. Yeah, I mean, I think too, if there's a little bit of trade-off about super granular visibility into cycle times for each step. So you might be sacrificing that a little bit, although you should only break out what you absolutely need and you're gonna do something with the data for, right? Uh, otherwise you're just adding more overhead, but there is, so you could say there's, if you take it up a level, you're sacrificing a bit of more granular visibility, but you're gaining distance from possibly siloing people into columns. So there is a trade-off there. And a, another trade-off I think that people would find this type of approach harder is that it's much easier to think about with limits, like from a person perspective, if I always work in this column, so I know if there's only this many things in this column, I'm not gonna be overwhelmed, but now you're thinking about, oh my God, my work is all over the board. And, and you know, how does that translate into a width limit per person? So that also takes, this could make that a little harder to figure out what the width limits should be uh, because people almost always start with some amalgam of some calculation about the number of people. And that's still probably okay, right? To start with, um, but it might not be number of people per column. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to figure, I, I don't even know if I have the best answer for doing that. I'll, it's up for start somewhere and then figure it out as you go along. Well, luckily we do. I think we have the antidote to that. It's, it's, it's the thing that we talk about over and over and over and over again. Our, our, I think our audience is you know, sick of us talking about the, the antidote to questions about work in progress limits. But Dick, do you want to give to remind everybody? Because they're probably already shouting it right now. Yeah, shout it at me, Pratik. To me, it's just aging. Just, just there you watch go. aging. There it aging. is. Just watch aging. If things are taking too long, you're working on too many things. If things are taking ah. the right amount of time, you're probably at the right spot right now. Yeah. Well, see, I knew that without it. It was simpler than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's no magic to it. It's like we always tell people. You start with and... something and then you inspect the depth based on your aging. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the two best ways to, to prevent things from aging are number one, stop it. Is, you know, finish working on it. That's number one. But even better than that, don't start working on it. That's those are the two best yeah. ways to, uh, you know. And yeah, so, and, so. and and it's, I mean, everything that that you've been talking about. It's it's at the end of the day, really, what we're looking at is how long does our customer have to wait for something we've started? I mean, that's the, at the end of the day. That those are the things that we're trying to fulfill. And yeah. the more system view, which is what you're talking about, going up. A granularity level, more system view we take of how we produce those things. And again, going back to the point you were making, Dan, this is not necessarily an aesthetic conversation because of that. Because what we're really talking about is how long does it take for us to get something to the customer. Um, when we take a more system view, the better it'll be for us to uh, to answer that question, to 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 optimize for that. Instead of optimizing for dev cycle time and QA cycle time, how do we optimize for the broader cycle times? Yeah. But changing mindset, and I think this is what you're going after, Julia, ch changing people's minds to get away from, let, let, let me think about my role, let me think about my activities to that broader sense. 
I, I don't know that anyone's cracked that nut. I don't know. I mean, you know, as, as far as far as I can tell, I, you know, I don't I don't I don't have a good answer to, you know, what, what is that flip that we can switch in people's minds to to have them make that leap? The I don't flip I don't know. that we can switch. Is that what you said? Let's switch how do we flip that, that switch. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I guess you flipped that switch. That one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's. I think, and we've talked about this before as well. Of, 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 uh, and I'm sure Julia, you have your views on this too. It's, it's like we are taught from when we are little to kind of act as individuals, excel as individuals. We're not really taught to excel as teams. We're 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 taught to be good baseball players. We're taught to we're taught to be good. Mm-hmm pitchers and good hitters instead of being good basketball players who work together to uh, you know score yeah you know the sports analogies are always really good (laughs) to use in management conversations and talks and things like that I think I use them all the time when I'm doing talks about that because there's always I think I might have gotten it from Larry Maccheroni probably got it from someone else who got it from someone else but uh, the what is it, Carmelo Anthony story about how he is got great personal stats, but when he plays, his team loses more often because he takes more shots that people could get better, you know, or something like that. And so I think it was it's back like, to you, but yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might have been saying the wrong that. name the whole time, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that it's, I think there, it's if. The things that I'm thinking about are the reason that I'm thinking about them are for all the things that we said so far, but really trying to keep people focusing as a, like you said, Pratik, as a team, not as individuals and not focusing on sub-optimizing little pieces, even if they're looking at them as part of a whole, um, but also to help people understand how we measure flow metrics. I mean, because that's really where I got this conversation sort of going. And I mean, literally almost every time I have a Q&A session or every time I talk to someone um, about their board, we always end up having the exact same conversation about um, why, you know, when you should move work backwards and when it should stay in place or move forward and visualize that this is a forward part of something's life cycle Um, even though the activity looks similar to something that's happened in the past. And, you know, we can't go back to the future (laughs) kind of things, you know. Um, And I think part of it, there's just not a really good understanding of why we have to measure flow metrics the way that we measure them and why we handle measuring things when they move backwards in a certain way. And when... I don't even know that I can explain that part super well, but um, when I explain it to them and we talk about a different way to visualize, you know, activities as, as forward movement and not backwards, it's like a whole new mindset for them, you know, and that's really where this whole conversation sort of started. And it was helping people maintain good, accurate flow metrics and still get the visibility they wanted and helping them understand that they actually lost visibility when they were doing what they were doing before. And by treating in a different mindset, they actually get more visibility instead because they got to see what it originally took back there, that it went here, and now it's taking way longer over here 
And you might have to dig into a little bit why, but you'll know it's because things that should have happened back there didn't. But I need to know that we had to end up doing it up here. So in the future, I can see how long it took up there and say, well, that's just too long. And then dig into the reasons why up here it took so long and then trim that back down. Um, and I'm just finding there are these subtle things that you know people might think we're splitting hairs, but it's really all triggered by being able to get the metrics and understanding why flow is a forward moving thing. And you know things are getting older all the time. So we need to think about things in that rightward direction. Um, yeah. Every, I think, I mean, every, every, for me, everything comes back to Schuert. Um, because I think, I think Schuert was, as far as I know, he was the first statistician to really talk about separating out signal from noise. Because I think that's, that's exactly what, you're, what, what I think you're talking about, Julia, is, you know, teams, teams are putting in place these policies, teams are, are putting in place these visualizations, teams are putting in place, you know, whatever these mechanisms are that are creating so much noise in the process that it's impossible to see signal, right? And so you don't know when, when, when something took too long, well, was it, or when something didn't take long enough, maybe, you know, wh wh whatever it is, um, was it because of something we did or something that, you know, is, is going on in the process? Do you, you yeah. really don't know. If, if you treat, oh, I moved the wrong item forward, if you treat that the same way as, oh, this thing really wasn't ready to move forward and we, we need to move it back. If you treat those two things the same way, it's all gonna look like noise. And you're not really gonna know, you know, when, when is something, when is something, I'll, I'll say it, actionable versus mm -hmm. when is something not actionable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if we think of my dev team's board right now, we've had the same discussion before um, because inherently people want to say my words in this column. I mean, no matter how well you know this stuff, you still have these innate pulls because that's just, I don't know what you feel like you should be doing. So what we've done is we have a development column and then um, we have some other things. And then it goes into a review where I, as the product manager, uh, product owner, whatever, go review things in an integrated environment and sort of do a final sign off before it can go out. And then, but I know I'm going to find some stuff. So before, whereas we wanted to move it backwards, I'm like, well, no, let's practice what we preach. So we can either leave it here in review and let it sit there for as long as it takes, because it's really a cycle, not just a review activity. Um, or what I tell people too, is that I can say, okay, once it's passed its first review, it can move forward into a, a rework or a review cycle or something. And so then you get extra information because all that rework doesn't get bundled in with first time first pass work and things and you're able to see to see all of that and so that's sort of keeping with the life cycle of just continuing to move forward and these things are sort of expected to happen but we know that you should there are definitely times where things should move backwards you know like it, it wasn't ready for review. It wasn't integrated yet. So it, it wasn't really supposed to leave that stage. Let's move it back. And, um, you know, helping people understand what that does to flow metrics. We had a conversation with a customer the other day where something wasn't supposed to be moved to done. It was in progress and it got moved to done and it wasn't supposed to be. So then they took it all the way back to to do, right? Which wiped up 
all of their data that anything ever done. So we had a big conversation about totally fine to move it back, but move it back to the place that it was never supposed to have left, mm-hmm. not any farther, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and I think that just goes back to people not understanding how we measure flow and how we measure flow drives a lot of workflow design behaviors. And that I was having a conversation with that person about, isn't that like the, the tool driving the team to must do things a certain way? Or, you know, they're seeing that as sort of a bad thing versus this can be a good thing to help you have more evolved behaviors. I was gonna say that that's like blaming your blood pressure cuff for your high blood pressure. (laughs) I mean, I understood where they were coming from because tools can make you do bad things. And so it's hard to find, if you don't know what you don't know, it's hard to understand where that line is sometimes. I have have heard that argument way too many times of, now we're just doing things to fit the tool. Like, yeah, yeah, but especially with actual agile, just because two of you here, um after this conversation and reading a couple of messages that Julia you had sent, my head went to actual agile is really a process improvement tool masquerading as a metrics tool. Um, yeah. it's it's it really is to say, hey, here are some things that can help you improve your process. If you do these things right, you'll get better information. You'll be able to ad- inspect and adapt a lot better than you do right now. Yeah, I think that's why dance for so long has really um, protected what goes into it and what doesn't, because there's a lot of things we could do, but would they hurt you or help you? Mm-hmm. And we're coming from a particular stance and trying to help people help themselves, not hurt themselves. <laughs> that's always hard because everything, a lot of things are contextual as well. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, everything's contextual. So, um, all right, so let's, Let's get back to some. What what are some what are some actionable takeaways from this? What are you know? I think we've we've talked about you know maybe several little small things that people might want to consider when they're thinking about workflow, when they're thinking about measuring their workflow. What I mean, so let's let's maybe recap for everybody. What what are what what are some some maybe gotchas, some 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 smells that if you see this thing, you know, there might be a better way to do it. Who'd like to start? I, I will just because this is something I don't think I've ever said before, and, and we haven't, and all of us have talked about this before, and, and this conversation is leading me to that is, if your column names are nouns instead of verbs, you're probably going down the wrong, wrong path. Uh, they should be, and especially if they map to roles, and they should, they should be things like understanding the problem, uh, mm-hmm solving the problem, validating that the problem is solved. Things, things like that should be the names of the column rather than analysis, dev, QA, or whatever they might be, yeah. Okay, yep, so yeah. Um, what else, Julia, did you have? I think that this isn't always gonna be the case, but more often than not, if you only ever work in one column of your board, you might need to rethink how you've defined your board because you might be defining it about the people and not the life cycle of the work. Yep, yep absolutely. Um, something you've said several times, Julia, if, if on your board, you're constantly seeing items move back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's very suggestive to me of, you know, e- either 
either you don't understand how items should be flowing or you don't have good policies set around how items, which are actually mm -hmm. probably the same thing, really, um, when, 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 you, when you get right yeah. down to it. And you could be losing valuable data because you're muddling up right. two situations. Yep. Um, I'll go again. I had another one. This is this is yeah. This is this is the one that we talked about before. Um, if you do, if you do have explicit handoffs in your policies, uh, sorry, in your process, if you do have explicit handoffs in your process. I think you do you well to model to model those, mm -hmm. those those handoffs because you know this this is this is something I think I got from it's one of the very first talks I think I ever heard Don Reinertsen talked about. I I think I got this from him. So I hope again I hope I'm not quoting him wrong. But he talked very much about modeling those handoffs as much as possible. Model those handoffs um, and then look to eliminate mm -hmm. them. You know the, mm -hmm. the only reason the only way that you can you know I shouldn't say the only way but one of the best ways that you can improve that handoff. Is, is, is by seeing exactly where it is. Why do we care about handoffs, by the way? Because that's where queues form. You know, generally speaking, yeah. queues are very, very, they're bad things. When we talk, we're talking about flow and flow. When queues, when queues forms, that's a bad thing. Where do, where do queues normally form? Usually around, around those, those handoffs. And whether they're real or imagined handoffs, you know, we need to, uh, uh, we need to model those. And when they come out of that handoff, move them to the right, <laughs> back to where they were before you handed them off. Yeah, which I, I think I think is one of Pratik's biggest problems. I'm going to put words in his mouth. One of Pratik's biggest problems with the code review column is because that's usually what happens. It goes to review, and people find some problems with it, and so they move it back in, into development. It's just really kind of that that yeah. self fulfilling prophecy of of moving items back and forth. And it's it's you know, a place to just have an excuse to increase whip. Yeah, just yeah, th throw yeah. it over the wall. Yeah. What are you talking about? I submitted my PR. You know, nobody was available. So I'm just going to go work on something else, right? So. Yeah, I, I think you just hit on like the two main things that I even care about this topic at all is, and I, I'm, you know, into my little thing here. So I'm having trouble remembering what they are already. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll come back to me in a second. But um, you, you want Patrick yeah. to talk? Take your talk yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll keep ranting on code reviews. So that's the other thing. <laughs> but then I actually, in, in a way, does if you have that those queue columns, which code review is really a queuing column. It is not an active column, in my opinion. When you have those queuing columns and you model them, as, as Dan was saying, at that point, put a very, very strict limit on it so that things can't just sit there. Yeah. yeah. Have, have a code review column with a zero whip limit. Something shows up, jump on it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's why I'm just for, for the record. I think we've talked about this. We're stalling for time here, Julia. So you just jump in, whatever. Um, that, that's why I'm semi, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm semi lenient on code review columns because technically there is a handoff there, you know, and. Um, the first time people I saw visualize them because they don't happen. So they visualize it to put pressure on people to actually yeah, get them yeah, done. Right. But, but, but I'm generally, yeah. yeah. But I'm with Pratik. If you are going mm -hmm. to model that, then make, make that whip limit yeah. very, very aggressive. Um, very yeah, the first yeah. time I, mean, I saw the zero whip limit code review column, I was like, okay, now I like code review columns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you made a good point, Pratik, is that every column you add to the board is another way to stealthily sneak in whip. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so really the simplest board design that works is the best board design. Although the less you break out, the more you have to keep track of what should be happening in each column. So there's always a trade-off, right? In, in one way or another, there's ways to overcome that, right? There's ways to make that easy to know what should happen without having to move it through 4,000 columns to make sure you've done everything. It's like someone giving a talk and writing everything they want to say on the slide so they don't forget, right? I mean, they don't need that. But um, yeah, the, the, the things that I think that people, that we want to solve by having these conversations is to have collective ownership of the work all the way through the board, right? Get away from handing it off to someone else. And then now I'm on my new things. It's like, no, if you're part of this team, one, we care what the team gets done, not what you get done. And the team is working on this. It's collectively responsible for it. So you need to care about that thing all the way through to done, right? And so the more we make it about the work and not about the worker, the more we are to help people keep in that mindset. Because a lot of times the things that we name things and whatnot just subconsciously make it harder for people to think the right things. So if we can, like you said, use Harry Potter terms or whatever, anything we can do to help people not fall into accidentally thinking poorly, you know, the better. Um, so, so that's one of the, the biggest things that I think we need to think about is a lot of this stuff is just to help us have collective ownership of it all the way through. I, I almost wish we had started with that because that is the yeah. best way to describe this, which is how uh, it might, might be a great way to end this too, because yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a thing of how do we work together and have collective responsibility of each work item rather than I'm done picking up the next thing. How do that's that's I think Julia, that's really the crux of the uh, of this problem. So Julia via Pratik or Pratik via Julia, I don't know how that works, but gets, gets the last word. Um, but I'm going to sneak one in as I always do. Right? <laughs> I, I think what I'm going to do instead of instead of my normal board design piece for, for the common classes uh, that I give, I think I'm just going to have them watch this video. I'm just like going to give them a link and say, hey, this watch this, and then design a board for me. And if you have a code review column for you, you know, on that board, then Pratik's going to come over and, and, and slap you around. So I'll put a zero web limit on it. Yeah. Um, so Nisha, I don't know if anybody saw in, in the background there, Nisha was trying to sneak away. Hi, sweetie. Um, which means that our time is up here. So I uh, just want to say a million thanks to Julia for showing up and uh, lowering your standards by coming on our, our show. So whatever. Being associated with us. Actually, I guess it's more being associated with us. Yeah. Um, I'm associated with you guys anyway. I mean. <laughs> But, but but now you've made it public knowledge. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, this will be on YouTube forever. <laughs> uh, so for Pratik Singh, and of course, you know, our favorite person in the background, Nisha, my name is Daniel Vacanti. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you in the next episode. Hi, okay. everybody, and cheers. <laughs>